Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. And now, here's your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am your host, Ben Henry, alongside my brother, the super esteemed and all-star aficionado, Matthew Henry. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, Matthew, <laughs> yeah. say hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little nervous about this tag you just gave me, considering I didn't watch the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite? Oh, oh. Oh, I see. Well, my favorite part of the game was when Gonsolin got torched. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite part of the game because, you know, the All-Star game is kind of a joke. And and really, you know, as a Giants fan, I think most fans just, you know, watch it to, to, to hope that their player, you know, like real fans, not the people who don't watch any other game and then watch the All-Star game. Are there any of those people? No. Somehow I doubt that. Yeah. Nobody just goes, oh, I think I'm going to watch the All-Star yet, game tonight. No. And yet they try to make this spectacle out of it while they're going to like they're going to pull more fans into the game, into yeah. baseball by with this with this thing, by showing us a bunch of movie stars on TV. I, I don't know. But anyway, my point is that I think most fans probably watch the game hoping that their their players will do well. Right. Right. And they want to see their guys shine on the big stage. Well, Giants fans know better. Oh, right. 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 Like, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I, my, I don't watch the game because I don't want to get Atlee Hammockered. You know, I just, right. I, I don't, I don't want that for my team and for my players. So I just, I just exactly, exactly. And for those of you who who don't know what happened to Atlee Hammocker when he represented the Giants, I think is the starting pitcher. Yes. Was he? He was the starting, starting, pitcher. He was the starting pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the San Francisco Giants in the All-Star game. It did not go well. Gave up a grand slam um, to Fred Lynn, I believe. Oh, good. Fred Lynn. Cool. Um, so so I think that's what most people kind of hope is going to happen. But as a Giants fan, like I, we're jaded, right? Like we know we expected Jock to strike out twice. Oh, that, there was no other way that was going to turn out. Right. Right. Yeah. So that wasn't a surprise to us. So really, when I'm watching the All-Star game, I'm actually watching it from the opposite perspective is like I want to watch guys and teams that I don't like do poorly. <laughs> which is which is weird because like usually you want the National League to win if you're a Giants fan, right? But I don't want Dodgers to win. No, well they haven't won for like you know a quarter of your life, so you know I mean the the, the National League. So the National League, I don't. I think if we added up all of the losses, it's it's for, during our lifetimes, it's really bad. It's really bad. The American League has had many long streaks of victories. But anyway, it was nice watching Gonsolin give up those home runs. Um, I really liked Stanton's, like, just, you know, I'm going to stand here forever and then flip the bat. And I think he was mic'd up, too. But you know what? So was the pitcher who struck out Jock, which is kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, uh, folks, today is Wednesday, July 20th, as we record this podcast. Uh, it is the Wednesday following the All-Star Game. So the Giants had a short week this week since we last spoke. Uh, but it was a good week. They went three and one against the first place Milwaukee Brewers, and uh, and I th- and and the one loss that they had was kind of a tough luck loss that I think they they could have won. So they they came very close to to sweeping that series. 
Um, they had uh, one very, very magical game um, on Friday night, which, Matthew, you and I were lucky enough to be there at the game. That's right. You're welcome for that, by the way. Cause like on, Thank you. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. On Thursday, like, hey, I text you going like, I want to go see the game. And the only way I could fit it in was was Friday night, so it was like that was the night I had to go. And well, well, it was it was it was kismet. I think I used that word correctly. I don't really know. Um, and uh, but anyway, yeah. So they went three and one for the week to bring their overall record at the break to forty eight and forty three. They are one half game out of a wild card spot after having turned things around in the last ten games. They're seven and three and winning three in a row. They're half a game behind uh, St. Louis, who is tied with Philadelphia. Uh, but I believe St. Louis is actually not in the wild card spot either because... Percentage points. One percentage, percentage like, points. Like a hundredth of a percentage point or something like that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, because the Phillies are 49 and 43 and the Cardinals are 50 and 44. And the Giants are 48 and 43. So, yeah. All of which means that the Giants are knocking on the door but are still not in a playoff spot if the season were to end today. Luckily, it doesn't. Um, luckily, it doesn't. But what is really interesting is is that I think I think these are the teams that are going to contend for the rest of the season. It's it, in the wild card standings. It's it's the Braves, who I think could challenge for first place. So, so that would also bring in the Mets into play, and then the the Padres, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Giants. And let's throw the Brewers in there as well because they could also be caught. Those are really the teams all fighting for. I guess what what is that? That's five playoff spots. Yeah, I guess because you the Mets. Yeah, well, I'm 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 anointing the Dodgers. I apologize for that. I anointed the Dodgers. You did. When we yeah. made predictions well. at the beginning of the season. So and 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 if that doesn't come true, it would be totally totally awesome. Like it would be just you know it would it would the collapse um, of of all collapses. Correct, yeah. and and I would love for that to happen. I I don't foresee it. No. No. Maybe, um, maybe maybe if we had more drinks, we could foresee it. Maybe if we had more drinks, that's a good point. Bob, ask Matthew the question. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, Bob, today I am continuing my ever-ending quest to finish my bottle of Campari. And, <laughs> and listeners, I don't know if, if I've explained this. I think I did. Is that you know early on in this giant cocktail podcast... Uh, I didn't have a very well-stocked bar, and so I started adding bottles of liqueurs and spirits that I felt would be necessary to do a podcast on cocktails, and one of them was Campari, mainly because I felt like I needed to make the classic cocktail, the Negroni. And uh, it turns out, I hate the Negroni, and and not a big fan of Campari, I think, is reason why I don't like the Negroni. It is a very bitter liqueur and uh, aperitif, as they say, I think, and uh, an Amaro. Uh, and and so, but I have this bottle, so I got to do something with it, right? And so I've been looking for cocktails where I can maybe sneak in some Campari as an element to it. And so today I bring you this uh, cocktail. Uh, it's called the Limelight. And in the cocktail is two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of lime juice, three-quarter ounces of simple syrup, three-quarter ounces of pineapple juice, three dashes of orange bitters. You take those and you shake it up in a cocktail shaker with ice, uh, 
and get it nice and cold. And then, but before you strain it into a rocks glass, you add an ounce of Campari into the bottom of your rocks glass, place a large chunk of ice in your glass, and then strain the cocktail over the ice and basically float it over the Campari. And, and then the final piece to this, and this is really important actually, is you add a pinch of ground cinnamon on top. And it's, it's important because I forgot it the first time that I did the, the cocktail at home. And I was like, huh. And then I remembered that I'd forgotten the, the, the cinnamon and I added the pinch and it really brings the flavors together. I mean, the cinnamon is an important piece. So it's not one of those, you know, superfluous uh, garnishes. No, you actually need this pinch of, of, of cinnamon. And it's actually a really nice balance between the sweetness from the pineapple juice and the simple syrup and the bitterness from the Campari. And I, re- I like it. I, and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about having a cocktail where I can actually use a significant portion of my Campari every time I make the drink. So uh, this, is, uh, this is a win for me, Ben. And uh, so cheers. I'm going to drink my, my limelight right now. Okay, so would you buy more Campari to make this cocktail? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, noted. Uh, I, or or maybe just a smaller bottle. Like, I, I they, they got to make smaller right. bottles of Campari. I bought the big, like, Econo size, apparently, and so I got to get through this, man. Like, you and your gin. I got I to get through this Campari. Yeah, I'm never getting through the gin. I've, I've just, I've, I've just accepted <laughs> my, my fate there. I, I'm, I'm just always going to have a lot of gin. I'm going to be that guy. You're going to be the gin guy? The gin guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not because I know a lot about gin, just because I have a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, that sounds like a tasty cocktail, I guess. Um, (laughs) No, actually, it is very good. And and especially if you you don't mind that kind of bitterness at the end of, of a cocktail. I mean, a lot of people like that. Uh, This is a really good cocktail. I I will want to say when I was putting the cocktail together, I thought that the simple syrup and the pineapple juice was going to make it too sweet. But no, you you do need that sweetness to counteract the full ounce of the Campari, and and uh, and when I first you know first take a sip, it's still floating, and I'm like, oh, this is delightful. It's nice and sweet. And then I remember, then I kind of stir the ice cube around and kind of mix the drink together, and then you get, oh yeah, okay, now now this is a more balanced uh, cocktail. So, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I would recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Campari. All right. Well, I'm I'm also intrigued about the the, the cinnamon. Yeah, I, I can't explain why the cinnamon kind of brings it all together, but it really does. Okay. Well, Bob, hit me. What are you drinking, Ben? Thank you for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. I, Bob, today am drinking a classic cocktail that I, I think Matthew and I, we, we talked about this before the show started. We, we believe that Matthew may have made one of these, I think, last season. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I haven't made it before. And, and the reason I made it is because I just wanted to go through some classic cocktails. And and this is one that I don't think I've ever had, quite frankly. And I am speaking today of the Amaretto Sour. And, and similar to your situation, Matthew, I actually have a very large bottle of Amaretto in my bar. And, and the problem with Amaretto is that it is very rarely the the main ingredient in a cocktail, right? It, it's always like playing second fiddle to something else. Yes, you could drink it as an aperitif, but come on, I, I don't do that. Does anybody really do that? 
I, I don't know. I, I suppose there's people out there drinking amaretto from tiny little um, shot glasses with stems on them after after dinner. But I, I'm, I'm thinking me. like young Italian women, right? I mean, that's young Italian women are drinking amarettos as aperitifs. <laughs> sure, if you say so. <laughs> that's just how I envision um, it in my head. Like, I mean, somebody from Italy, uh, okay. right? Someone. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, it's also the 1960s. <laughs> right, with it's wood kind of paneling, black and white. with wood paneling in the yeah. background. Yeah. yeah, and it's and everything's in black and white. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the classic amaretto sour is two ounces of amaretto, one ounce of lemon juice, uh, a quarter ounce of simple syrup, uh, and uh, one dash of uh, bitters. I'm using angostura in this particular case. You shake all of that up with ice. And then you strain it into a, a rocks glass or a old-fashioned glass over a some craft ice, a large chunk of ice, and you garnish it with a an orange wheel and um, a brandy cherry. I'm using two Luxardo cherries, and I actually do have the the orange the orange wheel floating in the drink now because I, I took it off the glass and. Uh, it's a very, I mean, it, it tastes like amaretto. Like, I, I don't, which I guess amaretto is, um, I think it's from the walnut. Is that right? I don't know. I should have done my research, Matthew. <laughs> but anyway, it, it actually has a very kind of like cherry flavor, um, kind of a woody cherry flavor. Uh, and it is sweet and refreshing. Uh, and um, yeah, a good way to, to bury a bottle of amaretto. I think I could get through a bunch of these and, and pretty much put that guy to rest and then buy a much smaller bottle like I should have <laughs> for my future cocktails that call for amaretto as a as, a, as an add-on. Um, but anyway, there you have it, the the um, the amaretto sour. Nice. Now, yeah, I looked up the amaretto sour that I did, and actually it's a, a very different drink uh, that I did. It was episode, oh, really? episode 20 from last season. And okay. uh, I, that one, I had amaretto and bourbon in it. And because mm. it was a sour, it was also had egg white. Uh, and you, you have uh, omitted the, the egg white, which, you know, traditional sour, you're going to get a little heady foam on it with your egg white. Well, you can do a sour with or without. Right? Yes, yes, there's you the, can. There's the, this, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fancy sour. Mm-hmm. And we're all but about anyway. fancy. We are well, not me. No, I don't have any egg in here. I'm not fancy. I'm not fancy today. <laughs> um, but you know what we thought, folks, we would do this week is actually um, talk a little bit about the cocktails that we're going to make next week. You know, give you like a little teaser, a little warm up. Yeah, a little insight into what's coming next week. Um, and 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 there, I'm, I'm not going to lie, folks. The, the reason we're doing this is because we're not quite sure that the Giants are going to be, you know, like we don't know what, how the rest of the season is going to go. So this is like one of those things of like, well, what can we do to try and encourage our listeners to come back again next week? And we thought we'd give you a little insight yes. into what's coming. So you're like, oh, maybe that'll be interesting. I'd, I'd like to hear the guys talk about that while they moan and groan about how bad the Giants are. So... Uh, that's why we're doing this. Uh, but next week, I'm going to stick with the classics. But I'm going to be drinking something known as the Pink Lady. And um, I believe... Let me, let me double check my, my recipe here. That does involve egg white. So if you're here to, see, to hear all about the egg white experience, uh, stay tuned for next week when Ben is drinking the Pink Lady. 
Well, I'm I'm glad to see you're going back to your gin roots. I yes, there. that's the that's I mean that I'm not saying that didn't play a factor <laughs> in that choice. Uh, <laughs> Gin's not going to drink yeah, itself, Ben. <laughs> that gin is not going to drink itself, and I really, I think I, I feel like a new shipment is coming on soon, and so I really gotta like, I gotta get this down. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, so my cocktail for next week, uh, and 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 I will say this: there's a caveat to this uh, because I haven't actually tried this cocktail yet. No, nope. uh, no, no. I can't. No, you've, you're telling the fans, you're telling the listeners, this is what they're getting. This is what they're getting. All you're right. committed. All right, all right, I'm committed. Okay, and 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 it may not be a great cocktail, but you'll uh, you'll just have to 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 learn that along with me. Uh, you know, when we first started this podcast, uh, my favorite drink was the margarita, and and I still like a really good margarita. But you know, since then, my my uh, uh, my repertoire of of drinks has vastly increased increased and so I don't know if the margarita margarita is definitely my favorite now but it's still something that I really enjoy and so so I'm actually going to do a spicy mint avocado margarita next week and uh, no idea wait 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 wait, what 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 you know and and I thought of you Ben when I was looking at this cocktail because I remember I tried lemon curd in a cocktail once and I haven't heard the end of that and and so I was like you know, the, the, the avocado's probably got to give a little bit of mouthfeel to it. It's probably got to add a little, little something something to to the cocktail. And I I love being avocado, so I why not? Why not? All right. You know, the Giants are on a, the edge here, out of a playoff spot. I might as well just jump into this cocktail with both feet. So spicy mint avocado margarita upcoming. I'm excited. I'm really looking forward to this. You know, maybe it will be like the lemon curd situation, you know, <laughs> which wasn't a bad uh, cocktail. I still stand by that, by the way. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm over it, too. It's fine. You can put lemon curd in your cocktails, folks, if that's what you want to do. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's not. No, it's, nothing wrong know. with it. This is a cocktail. That's the great thing about cocktail making is it make whatever you want. And yeah, right. And just, you know, so next it. week, a. A Campari avocado uh, <laughs> uh, gin cocktail. That's right. That's right. That's uh, right. Gin margarita. There you go. Yeah. Well, Next you know, week. you know who doesn't serve avocados in their drink, at least that I saw, mm-hmm. was uh, Victory uh, Hall, where we had our pregame drinks on Friday night. That's right. No, they don't. They don't. They make good cocktails there, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Those are good cocktails. So much so that I think we had what three each. Yes, we did have three each. Which is um, great when you get to the game at like four o'clock. You know, you got mm-hmm. some time to, right. to nurse a few cocktails and chat with the very friendly bartender. And I, I, yeah, I, I, I think had a great time. I was going to say that I think we opened the place, but I don't think so. There was, a, there was at least one other party already there when we showed up, if I remember correctly. But we pretty much had our pick of where we wanted to sit. Right. Enjoying, enjoying. The, and they were there looked like more for the food from Little Skillet than, than the cocktails from, from Victory Hall. We tried to, to, to avoid the food because, like, the best way to really enjoy the effects of alcohol is to do it on an empty stomach. Yeah. And then about after the second drink, that's a tip, kids. After the second drink, we thought maybe that was a mistake, and plus I was getting really hungry, so we we ended up ordering some uh, mac and cheese. Yeah, so mac and cheese balls. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
Yeah, Victory Hall, old haunt of mine. I used to spend a lot of time there when I worked not too far away from there. Um, I actually worked in the Mission Bay building right across the street from the ballpark. And that was cool. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to be back there. And, uh, and that was a, it, you know, we didn't know what we were in store for, Matthew. We just, we didn't, right? We were just there. We we're going to have some fun. We, we kind of thought, I mean, we kind of thought that we were going to maybe see more of the 2022 Giants. Oh, I did. Especially the, especially after we lost, yeah. you know, Thursday night's game, you know, in a close game there. And, yeah. and, you know, and this is the Brewers, right? I mean, this is a good team. And, you know, so I was like, of course, we're going to lose like three out of four. We're going to limp into the all-star break. That And that's just where I'm at right now. You know, I used to be so optimistic, Ben. So optimistic. The Giants have, I, have I, beaten I, I me down. I know you did. I know. A persistently bad baseball team will, will suck the optimism out of anyone. And I don't even know. If, you know they, if they were bad, it would be kind of like learned helplessness. I would just accept it, right? But but they're 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 not bad bad. They're just uh, you know occasionally like bad, and and that I think is more maddening than anything else. They're occasionally awful. Are you really going to speak with your mouth full like that? I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. My dinner showed up late. Now I was at my door, and my one of my kids left it there, and I knew it was there. And I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry, Matthew. And I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I just knew it. Mm. But anyway, no, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. But the, yeah, well, and you know, and and but then. You know, actually, things started out well, right? Yeah, we jumped out Alex to the lead. Wood was, yeah. yeah, Alex Wood was pitching well. We jumped out to the lead. But not only that, it was a big hit by a guy who was such a huge part of last season and has been basically absent this season, Lamont Wade Jr., yeah. right? It was a triple, and it was a, you know, it was a two-run triple, and, and they were playing clean and crisp baseball. Alex Wood was dealing... And it just, things felt good. You were like, okay, this team looks good right now. And and I think that's exactly what you're talking about, right? Which is like, the Giants, that's the Giants this year. They show these flashes of being the 2021 version of themselves. And then suddenly, you know, they forget how to catch the baseball. <laughs> and, then, and then things just seem to snowball from there. Yeah. Right? Like... Because and that's what was I think so mo- amazing about this game is is that it was really, I think, a tale of two seasons, right? It was, um, yeah. No, if there was ever a microcosm of of the Giants' season, uh, I think this was it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely was, and and unfortunately, in the fifth inning, it demonstrated to us everything that we've come to know about the twenty twenty two season, which is. The awful defense, Gabe Kapler's unending inability to manage his starting pitchers. Oh, it's so bad, man. So bad. <laughs> Come on, Gabe. Get it together, man. Right. The, 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 the insistence on bringing Tyler Rogers into situations where there's runners on base, even though we know that he's snake bit when it comes to... to low velo hits off of his pitches. 
Yeah. Right. Which is just you just don't want to bring a guy like that into in a situation where the bases are where there's runners on base. And then and then he proceeds to give up one of his quintessential telltale hits that was a doinker down the third baseline that he went and play. And, and, you know, I mean, he he gamely threw the ball to first, but we all knew there was just no way he was going to make that throw and get that out. And. And it was, it was, uh, and then, and then he just went off the rails, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of Tyler Roger haters out there right now in, in, in Giants Nation. There are a lot of them. We heard them all throughout the ballpark. And, um, and you know, those doinkers, those are not his fault. That's him doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, it, it's definitely bad luck, the number of hits that have resulted like that. But he's definitely been hurt by crappy defense behind him. Oh, and, right? and... That 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 inning was, I mean, Wood was cruising. I mean, he he had struck out the first two batters in the fifth. You know, yeah, he gave up a hit. You know, uh, and then but then the ground ball to Lamont Wade, where he where Lamont Wade booted it. First of all, Lamont Wade was way off of first base. I mean, he was like if he let it go, Estrada is there to get it at second base, and so in that respect, it was like, okay, what are you doing? Uh, and then, uh, but then anyway, he boots it. You know, pass, and then the ball gets away, and run score, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, this is the Giants, right? And you're just kind of shaking your head. And then, I, but I was shocked to see, to see, Kapler come out of the dugout and and make the change right there because I was like, "Are you kidding me?" It's like he got a ground ball to get out of the inning. He already, str- I mean, he wasn't struggling. He had eighty something yeah. pitches. It was, it was. I don't, I don't understand was why 80... he was giving, getting, pulling him at that point. And that's the part that just drives me crazy about Kapler is that he can't seem to figure out when to leave a starter in and when to take him out. It's either too long or too short. There's just, I mean, he hasn't found that Goldilocks moment. It seems like because it's just like these moments where he's, I, I don't know. And and to bring in of all people, Rogers, like you said. You know, who's a guy that gives up contact all the time. You're not getting a strikeout in that situation. And then, you know, and then and then he can't find the strike zone at all. And so it just oh, it was so bad. I mean, the, the the defense and then Rogers and then Kapler. Well, Kapler's decisions and then Rogers. It was like, wow, this is 2022, man. This is it. Yep. This is it. This is how it's going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah. I mean, Wood was at 84 pitches when, when they took him out. I, I, I think the real question is. If Lamont Wade Jr. doesn't screw up that play, right? Mm-hmm. So first of all, he never should have. He should have let the ball go, right? Yeah. He, he reacted correctly, but but he should have known that oh, the second baseman is going to be behind me, like yeah, he, it's going to be an easier play for him. I should just let it go, and he should have just ran past the ball and then let Wood and and Estrada take care of it. Absolutely. If he makes that play, either way though, that's the end of the inning, right? They run off the field. And then what happens in in the sixth inning? I guarantee you that that Wood comes back out, right? Having only thrown eighty four pitches, so you're absolutely right. How does Lamont Wade Jr. screwing up change what you're going to do there? And and the only reason that I can think of is is that you didn't like that matchup. You felt like that was one of Wood's weakest matchups. Whoever's coming up next, and you didn't want to risk. I don't know what giving up the three run homer. I, I I don't I don't know, but the, the thinking is just it felt like overthinking, 
right? Which I think is absolutely Kapler and, and that whole coaching staff, they tend to overthink things. And they absolutely have no idea, no consistent approach on how to handle those scenarios when your starting pitcher gets into a little bit of trouble. And unfortunately, and I think this is the trend across Major League Baseball, the idea is, well, like, I better meddle. I better do something because doing something is better than doing nothing. But I I think it would have been a very proactive decision to leave Wood in there because you're absolutely right. He was pitching well. Like these, they weren't torching him in this inning. And, and I think, you know, absolutely. I I definitely question the decision to bring him in, uh, to, to take Wood out at that moment in time. I really question the decision to bring in Rodgers. Like, Rodgers is suddenly our Jose Alvarez. Like, he's the guy that you bring in when runners are on base. That makes zero sense. Yeah. Like, Rodgers should start a clean inning. That's when he does his best. And if he does go off the rails or he does seem to load the bases, then you have some other guys behind him that maybe have strikeout ability. Although there's really only one reliever on the Giants staff that has strikeout ability. Um, You know, the idea would be that they can get Rodgers out of trouble. If if he gets into it, which oftentimes he doesn't, right? Yeah. And especially if you know the defense shapes up, which they didn't, right? They really didn't. Um. But but yeah, that fifth inning was absolutely miserable. When Gal- Kapler came to take out Wood, I I think you and I immediately kind of recognized that this was weird, right? Like, I mean, why why is this happening right now? And so it kind of to me was like, oh crap, things are really gonna you know this is not going to end well. And, and it absolutely didn't. And, you know, forever giant, Andrew McCutcheon, you know, roping a double down the left field line. Then there's, you know, little doink hits in the infield. And then, and then, you know, uh, at one point Rogers walks in the run. Right. And at that point, I heard something at Oracle park that I haven't heard maybe ever was Giants fans booing. Yeah. And and that was yeah. like wow. Like I I you know it took me it 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 really kind of shook me a little bit to hear our you know Giants fans booing the Rodgers and I assume Kapler and maybe just the Giants in general, but that's kind of where we're at right now. I think the frustration level of Giants fans with how this season has played out is, you know, came to a head in that moment. And to hear Giants fans booing in Oracle Park was was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. Well, you know, as I was sitting next to you watching all of this unfold, when he got the count to three balls, I just turned to you and I said, if he walks him, I'm going to get a drink. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and and the next pitch, he walked him. And so I got up and I said, I'm going to get a drink. And and that was my way of booing. Because I, like it was like, I just couldn't sit there and watch this anymore. It was so bad. And so when you say like, you know, I don't know who they were booing. Were they booing Rogers? Maybe a little. Were they booing Kapler? Probably. I don't... I think what they were booing, Matthew, is just how bad this team plays when they play poorly. It's it's unwatchable baseball. It's unwatchable, right? You're miserable that you're there, yeah. right? Like, why did I spend my money to come to this game to watch this team and cheer this team on, right? If they're going to play like this, right? This poorly, right? And they're going to make decisions that questionably, right? And and it's just, it, it was just, you just don't want to watch it anymore. And And I think that's what they were booing. 
Right. I don't think this was it wasn't anger. It wasn't like, you know, oh, we boo everybody when any slight thing goes wrong. This wasn't like Yankee fans on Twitter complaining about something that happened in a bad game in, in this season. Right. I mean, what do those people have to complain about? <laughs> oh, boy. Nothing. They have tons of things to complain about. Just go look at Yankee Twitter. The Yankees are like the Yankee Twitter thinks the Yankees are the worst team in baseball. <laughs> With the best record Th- in baseball. Yeah. Right. But that's not what it was. What it was was it was just like, this is intolerable. This is bad baseball. And and it, they were booing everybody. They were booing everybody. I think it was just booing because they're like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be watching this. Like, give me something that has some flair or excitement to it. Give me something that has hope. Give me something that, you know, not even like, you know, don't, I don't need 2021. 2021 was great, and I'd love to see that again. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but just don't play this lousy, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I only want to watch this kind of baseball when my kid is playing. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to tolerate it. And my kid ain't in that game, right? And I bet you some of the parents, you know, those kids don't even want to watch those games. <laughs> Yeah, Lamont Wade Jr.'s mom's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, like, I mean, it's just, that's what I, it was just, it's just, it was bad baseball. And, 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 you know, that whole wood, it was like, I want to say it was like moving chairs on the, on the Titanic, but it was more like throwing, throwing people overboard, right? (laughs) It's not that it didn't make it better and it was a pointless maneuver. It was like, it made things worse. Yeah. Right? They absolutely should have stuck with wood. And that, that is a problem that needs to be fixed. Like... They need to. Like, I, I don't know what the thinking was there, and and unfortunately, I don't think I read anything about it. Maybe I, I missed Kapler's notes after the game, but because we were we were there, right? I usually watch all that stuff immediately following the game, and I don't know if anybody ever asked him why he took Wood out there. Um, but it didn't make any sense. It was a ridiculous decision. Um, and I think it was for me the low part of the season. And not just because I was there, but it really felt like, you know, this was a team that was playing a good, crisp game. Things were going their way. And then suddenly they gave up five runs out of nowhere by playing abysmal baseball and making stupid decisions. And it just felt like the worst moment of the season. To me, it was the lowest point of the season. The fifth inning was when that walk came in. And that's why people were booing. Because it was so far from what they did last year. But I want to make this clear. It has nothing to do with last year. That kind of quality of baseball should always be booed. Because it (laughs) sucked. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a long time since I heard Giants fans boo. And uh, and it was deserved, right? I mean, it was was terrible. And, and, but then, you know, we, uh, I don't even know how to describe the ninth inning. You know, you, I, you and I have, we're diehards. We don't leave a game until the end, right? I mean, uh, and so we were going to be there. We were going to be there. and That's right, baby. And, uh, you know, there was, a, there was a, 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 some fans behind us, a woman who was celebrating her birthday that day. And yep, lifelong Giants fan. Lifelong Giants fan. And she was very knowledgeable lifelong Giants fan. I, I enjoyed talking oh, with she her. Oh, was, she was real angry. 
Yeah. She's real angry. <laughs> and I mean, like, I'm angry. I'm angry, right? I just, I, I'm, I'm still coming down off of my rant just now. I'm angry. Yes. But boy, she was angry. She was angry. And, and it was her birthday. And, and at one point, I jokingly tell her, I said, well, you know, maybe you'll get a walk-off on your birthday, right? And, and I still think about her because I, I liked her. I thought she was great. But she left in the eighth inning. And, and I'm thinking, this is her birthday. This would have been like, for her as a lifelong diehard Giants fan, to have the Giants with that epic comeback win for the ages on her birthday, and she was there to like cheer it on, was amazing, and yet it didn't happen. <laughs> I mean, Matthew, I'm going to remember that game for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it wasn't my birthday. <laughs> you know, it was, it was a Friday night in July. You know, and uh, I cannot imagine that. And, and I, you know, I, I always wonder about these people that 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 walk away from these games. Right. And I get it. I get it. Most of the time when you, you get out that you're trying to get to the, the Muni or BART early or trying to get to the parking lot early or, you know, you, you know, you're yeah. just you're tired and you want to get. I get it. I get it. I get all of the good reasons why you want to leave. But when you choose to do that, you were basically saying, I don't care about the magic of baseball, mm. right? Like, and, and hey, yeah. maybe that's a maybe well, that says more about you. You just like you just like mundane baseball. It's the only right? sport where there's not a clock, right? I mean, you can't right. you can't run the clock out in baseball, and right. so exactly. anything can happen down to your final strike. Right. I mean, that's what closers are supposed to do. They're supposed to shorten the game, right? That's why they're so important yeah. because you can't run out the clock. Right. You can't just hand the ball off to the, the, the running back and, and have him just, you know, run towards the hash marks. Right. Like you, that doesn't exist. You're absolutely right. So and and yeah, it's unlikely to happen. That's what makes the magical moments. Yep. Right. That's why you got to stay. And and unfortunately, now that poor woman is going to remember that she was at that game on her birthday when they had a walk-off win for the ages where the Giants did something that no team had ever done before, which is hit three home runs that included a walk-off grand slam. And she's going to remember that she wasn't there because she left early. I'm, Oof. I'm still hoping like for her sake that she was like, like maybe on the, like walking around the stadium or out, you know, out on the, I don't know. Well, I, my, my one hope is that oh, maybe she went to the cocktail bar, but I know they had stopped serving by then. Oh, so yeah. you no, know, no reason like, to go there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they went to, uh, maybe they went to get a different vantage point. I hope so. Right? I hope so. Because maybe, you know... maybe they, because we were sitting in club level, right behind home plate. I mean, not right behind home plate. We were a little off to the left. But I mean, maybe she found a better seat. <laughs> I yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, birthday Folks. girl, wherever you, we told you about our podcast. If you're listening to this, just yeah, really sorry I, that uh, we're really that, sorry that, that you missed it. it. Yeah, uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, we wish you had been there to high five. You weren't. Um, we still had fun. We did. Um, we did. And the video's on Twitter to prove it. So you know. Yeah. We'll yeah. There. But I, I mean, I do want to talk about. So first, before we get into the comeback, because I do want to talk about the comeback a lot. <laughs> but I do want to mention um, Maurizio Llovera and and Sam Long um, because they both pitched really well. And unfortunately, Llovera hurt himself. Yeah. 
and and who knows, you know, when we'll see him again. Maybe we should have seen him in the fifth inning. Well, no, we shouldn't have seen anybody in the fifth inning except Alex Wood. But uh, but they both pitched really well, and that mattered, right? It, it, it mattered because um, uh, it kept the Giants close, and, and it allowed them to do something magical in the ninth. So I, I think they both pitched really, really well. I think Sam Marte Long, as his, well. Marte was uh, the bridge between. Oh, that's right. Marte was in there as well. Yes, and I, I think I think Sam Long, like his stock, just keeps rising for me. I I see that guy um, going later and later into ball games, and uh, I I think he's going to be an important part of the bullpen um, for the second half of the season. And and I hope that he can pick up some of the slack from people like, uh, well, like Jake McGee for sure, and uh, but also. Well, Alvarez. Other guys who, Alvarez is now Alvarez, who's now season. out for the season. Yeah, Latell, who's you know in in Sacramento, and and John Brebbia, whose I think numbers are better than uh, than they should be, quite frankly. Um, you know, I I definitely like to see more Sam Long and, and less of the rest of those guys. Yeah, and that 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 curveball that Long has, I mean, it still buckles guys. I mean, they they know that he's got it, and it still buckles guys, and. Uh, it's pretty awesome to see, yeah, especially when he right. And we it. saw him throw it like at two different speeds. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is you know pretty amazing that he's able to you know change speeds on a curveball and throw them for strikes. Right. Yeah. I yeah. So more Sam Long, please. But so Matthew, there we are. We're in the ninth inning, in a miserable game, and and we haven't decided to go home. What are you thinking when Joey Bart comes up to the plate? Like what? What was your what was your thought process there? You know, I I was just rooting for the start of something, you know, just a rally or something, you know, a single, you know, whatever. Just just get on and uh, and so when he hit the home run, and it was a pretty nice shot. I mean, it was a no doubter as soon as he hit it. Uh, it definitely it was a bomb. It definitely sent a jolt through the crowd and and. Uh, I don't want to say that I was like, okay, now we're going to come back, but it definitely changed the atmosphere at the park, and it it absolutely did. There was it, buzz, it people dismal, were talking. Yeah. It was it was definitely. We were all just sitting there, like wait, like like you're waiting for the execution, you know, the firing squad, and you're just kind of waiting for the for that fatal moment. And when he hits the home run, it just kind of changed the whole dynamics of everything in the park. And so I feel like that was such an important leadoff home run, even though it only got us, you know, within a run, with two, two runs. It definitely, uh, yeah, made it made a difference. Yeah, I mean, my thought process was. I hope Joey has a a good at bat here, and I, and he had been having good at bats. He has, yeah, against 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 quality pitchers. Yep, right. And I thought I really want to see Joey have a good at bat here. Like even if he doesn't get on base or you know do whatever, at least I want to see him you know not strike out. Quite honestly, that was my hope. Don't strike out, right? And instead, he hits an absolute mammoth shot. And I do think that because it was Joey, that's why the crowd was excited. Yeah, I think you felt like the crowd really wants him to succeed, and they were excited that he that he delivered in that moment. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what I, how I felt about it. And we were all kind of like, cool. Yeah. Something good happened in this game after all that bad stuff. Exactly, exactly. And To a guy that we're all rooting for. That's right. And I would actually back and watch the game you know, afterwards. I watched it uh, at home. 
And uh, what I, I really too. liked about that is he put on his. He st- they showed like some close-ups of him in the dugout, and he put on his shin guards after he was yeah. uh, done. Like he wasn't yeah. expecting the game to be over, and I, I like that about it. Yeah, him. no, got to put my shin guards on so I can be out there for the bottom of the uh, for the top of the tenth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. I noticed that, too. That And that was a really good look. It was. And that's just the kind of guy that, that he is. And I think that's one of the reasons why fans want him to do well. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why that home run was so electric, because, you know, I mean, it was off a hater. And I didn't know at the time. I think you did. But but hater's been struggling. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. But he's still a hater. I mean, he's still one of the best he's relievers still a hater. in baseball, right? And, and that pitch that he hit oh, in that on wasn't, the hands. Oh, that wasn't a bad pitch. That's, that's, where, no. that's where normally Bart, you know, struggles. Was inside, mm-hmm. you know, 97 plus. Like, he hadn't hit a home run or even gotten a hit on any baseball over 95 miles an hour in that part of the plate, like, all season. And he turned wow. on it. Yeah. And just yeah, dropped, was the, an dropped the barrel on the bat. Uh, the bat the, dropped the, the barrel of the bat on the ball, and it just you know that thing flew. So it was awesome. It was awesome. Right. And then Flores flies then, out, but it wasn't like a. I mean, it wasn't like like you know it was a weak fly out. I mean, he hit it you know to, to pretty good right center field, if I recall. And uh, so now you're like, okay, well, you know, just there's an out now, and uh, and Ruff's coming up. Well, and Ruff. Uh, well, that's how you felt. That's how you felt. Yeah. Well, how did you feel? Were you like already on board? Because I still was a little. I was I was still like okay this is this game's gonna end. Um, Matthew, I think I remember I turned to you and I said, "Why is this guy still on the team?" And then I laughed and I said, "He's thirty five years old." Right, and then I said, I, "I said now that I'm remembering this conversation, I said, watch, he'll hit a home run here." <laughs> and uh, you know, um, I've been bashing on Darren for a while. I basically I'm calling for his head. I've called for his head. I said, like, why is he still on the team? Right. And the only reason I think he's still on the team is because the Giants like him as a person, which don't get me wrong. Like, uh, you know, well, I like him I as a person, it. too, Ben. OK, <laughs> right. He's got Whatever. a kid, I don't know, you know, spent time in Korea. Know, he's what? Did he yeah. Speak? OK. I mean, every, a lot of people live in Korea, Matthew. <laughs> Doesn't mean that uh, I he persevered, man, persevered. Well, uh, sh- sure. OK, great. Um, you know, and now he's got guaranteed Major League Baseball money. And that's great. Uh, and he's going to make that money no matter whether he's on the roster or not. I want results. And uh, and and I'm sorry if that so sounds cold and callous, but that's how I am. You know, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I'm not a, you know, Darren Ruff fan. And that doesn't mean I don't like Darren Ruff. And that doesn't mean I don't appreciate what he did last year. And that doesn't mean I don't want him to succeed. It means that when Darren Ruff moves on, when Darren Ruff is 55 years old, I will still be a Giants fan and I will still expect that team to try to win every day. And and that's, you know, so that that's that's my mentality. Don't get me wrong. Like, I have my favorites, right? Like, I like a Buster Posey. But notice that my favorites are like Hall of Fame, you know, level type players. <laughs> you know, you know, notice that I have a high bar. My favorite players always seem to be these like, you know. I'm not a Nick Shearholtz fan, I was right? just going to say that. Like... You don't have a Shearholtz jersey like we saw as we were leaving the stadium? Like... Uh, yeah, no, no. I don't choose my players on, on how attractive they are or whether or not I wish they would, you know, say hi to me when they're in the on-deck circle, right? I, I value my play, my guy, my Giants based on, like, you know, how many wins have they contributed to? I don't know. Bob, Bob doesn't agree. Bob, what do you think of Logan Webb? Logan Webb is a handsome man. That's what I'm saying. Some people wow. like Logan Webb. Bob. Beyond just. Wow. 
I did. I Bob. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think Logan Webb is a good pitcher. I, hey, he's... I'm sure his mother thinks he's handsome, <laughs> and his wife. Does he have a wife? And his wife. I don't even know if he's married. I actually, I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't strike me as the uh, guy that would be married. But may- maybe Matthew, he is. these know. are the stats. I don't pay attention to. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Right. This is what I'm saying. So, but anyway, all right. Getting back is, to the game because we are we are we are talking well, well, a lot yeah, here. Yeah. The point is, I, well, I don't know if you know this is a podcast. That's what we do. We talk. We do a lot. Uh, the, the point is. The point is. The point is, is that I've I've been calling for Darren Ruff's head for like three weeks now. And I think the man has heard me because suddenly he can't stop hitting home runs. Yeah. Right? Suddenly he's 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 winning ball games. Like it's suddenly the Darren Ruff of twenty twenty one. And it's like, where have you been all half season, sir? And I gotta tell you, Matthew, if this is what it takes for the man to do well, then I am happy to throw him under the bus every single week. It's not enough, Darren. You're still the giant with the lowest war on the team. Negative point zero. Sorry, negative seven. Now it was one. It was negative one. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've won a third of a ball game since we last talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. So I expect more. And I'm going to keep doing that until he wins the MVP at the end of the season <laughs> yeah, with, he, because he, he hits 40 home runs in the second half. <laughs> All right. So then so uh, then getting back to the game. Okay. So Ruff hits the home run. Now we're down by a run. And and Slater slashes a hit into right center field. and uh, But then at some point in the next at bat. Because hot players stay hot. Yeah, well, and, I mean, and Slater's on fire. I think he was like four for four in that game. I mean, I think yeah, you know, I was three for. Th- I think he had three hits. I don't. I don't. I don't know whether. I think he was three for three. Okay. Yeah. Well, he was. He was. He had a a a. I, I used, yep. He was four for five. He was four for five. Yes, in that game. I stand corrected. Wow. And and so you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, he's he's the only hitter on the team that's batting over three hundred. By the way, now uh, uh, because of that four for five, put him over three hundred. And How many people in Major League Baseball are hitting over three hundred? Not many, because research. this season, this season has, uh, in particular, has been a a, a rough season for um, for hitters. But uh, but anyway, after he's on base, he gets picked off, and and I think you know this is a family show, so I won't I won't say like what I said when I saw him get picked off, but he's literally mm-hmm. running to the second base, and I let out a really loud expletive because I was like, that's it, right? Yeah, Matthew yelled fecal matter. Fecal matter. I yelled fire truck, <laughs> and uh, and and you know starts with the F, ends with the K. Fire truck. No, and uh, pretty yeah yeah yeah. Uh, it might have been. Yes, continue. <laughs> and and then, uh, but uh, I mean, to his credit, he gets picked off, but he keeps running hard to second base. He doesn't stop. He doesn't do anything. He runs hard. And then Rowdy Telez throws offline to second base, and and uh, and Slater slides in safely, so he gets a, ca- a stolen base out of a caught stealing. And uh, and and I think you mentioned this before. That did feel like 2021. Like all of a sudden, it felt like okay, things are lining up. The things that happened last year are starting to happen this year. And uh, I, that was the moment where I believed we were going we were going to at least tie it. I, I felt like we were going to win at that point, and I think the crowd did too. I think the crowd started Agreed. to really get into it. That's that's really when things turned. Um, is is the stolen base? Is the caught stealing sl- turning into a stolen base? Absolutely. 
Yeah, and then and then Mercedes, one of the you know he he works the count, has a really good at bat, and then takes a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball to his like bicep or tricep. Yeah, it was the back of the arm. Yeah, he turned just in time. Can you imagine taking a ninety-seven mile an hour and and he did? Of course, he didn't rub it or anything like that. But man, you know that that hurt. I I just rubbing rubbing actually does make it feel better because it distracts like the nerves from the signal, the pain signal, and it like prefers to send the pressure signal. I did some reading on this once, and. uh, so yeah, rubbing actually does make the pain go away. And I'd be rubbing it like a mofo. I I would yeah, be Yeah, so Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But so when you see a guy not rub an injury, that does mean he he is being tough. Yeah. He is choosing to not make it feel better. So now we got runners on first and second, and then Estrada hits this little bloop into right field where it finds grass. Like any other hit for that. I mean, those are the, usually the hits that the Giants pitchers give up. But for once this season, one of our hits finds like this hole between the first baseman, second baseman, right fielder, and it just drops in. And uh, and now we have bases loaded. I think there was only one out still, right? There was still only one out. There was only ever one out. So and, Yaz is uh, coming up, and now yeah. you're thinking, okay, well, a sack fly, you know, ties this game, right? And mm-hmm. and at this point, I start videotaping the at bat because I'm like, okay. <laughs> I feel like something's good well, is going to happen. Well, you know, you said I'm recording because I want to catch the walk-off home run. That's what you said. That's what I said, and and uh, I I don't know if I fully believed what I was saying, but I wanted I I felt like something cool was going to happen. I mean, it was Yaz, and we've seen him in these big situations yep. before, and uh, and and when he hit that line drive, my only doubt was whether I, whether it was going to be um, over the fence. Like I knew it was over the center fielder's head. But I didn't know yeah. if he'd got enough to get it all the way out. Well, as soon as he hit it, I knew the game was tied. Yes. And then I was like, I was like, oh, this is a walk off. This is a walk off hit. But it did seem it did seem to like as if the ball, like from our perspective, kind of lifted a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, it just kept going like on that little slight trajectory. Yep. And and, oh, and so and when you was, watch it go it was, over the fence and just like, oh my gosh, it was just the amazing, most amazing feeling and just the the realization that the game was over and that we just witnessed this amazing comeback when and I'm jumping up and down and you're jumping up and down and uh it was it was um I think the last time I felt like that was JT Snow's home run, you know, uh, to tie, to tie, to tie against the Mets in the playoffs. Oh man. And, and that was yeah. Well, I think I've said this on the show before, but folks, if you don't know, I miscounted the score in that game. Matthew and I were at that game together. I was a season ticket. I keep holder, forgetting the story. This is funny. <laughs> and that's why we were there. I miscounted the score. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I think I thought the Giants were down by one more run than they were. And so JT Snow hits this game tying home run. Uh, I think was it the bottom of the ninth. I want to say I it was. Can't Maybe it was the eighth, but yeah, I was I late. It was, a, it was late. It was late, and he hits this game tying home run. And and they ended up losing that game, but it, but it was one of the most exciting moments that I have ever been at. And I have been, I was at the scooter rowing game. Wow, yeah, you know that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I did. I was not at the Travis Ishikawa walk off game. That would have been pretty cool. Wish I was, but I wasn't. But anyway, this was an exciting moment. But the thing is, I miscounted the score, and I thought JT's home run only brought them in with within <laughs> one, and I could not understand. <laughs> Why the fans were going so crazy. I stood up with everybody else. And then Matthew's like turning to me and he's hugging me. And I'm like, I didn't put my arms around you. I just was like, and then I realized, oh, crap. I miscounted the score. They just tied the game. (laughs) 
And I don't know. I don't know. You know what? You know what that is like, Matthew? It's like what I did mentally. I, 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 I bad math myself. I left the game early. Mentally. <laughs> so I ruined the moment for myself because I didn't know the score. I didn't know the situation. And so I was just like, oh, why is everybody so happy? Uh, you know, anyway. Uh, the point is, folks, the point thing. is, folks, don't leave games early. Don't leave games early. And and also know what the score is. All right. Well, um, so we, we're, we're, yeah. we've, we've been talking for a while and we still want one, we have one more thing that we want to get to. So I propose... Bob, what are we going to do? It's time for a lightning round. So, yes, Bob, lightning round it is. So, second half predictions, I say we just pump through these things and uh, we just uh, we quickly give our, our take on, on the second half. You ready? Let's do it. All right, all right. What do we add at the trade deadline? And does it start with the name Juan Soto? <laughs> Uh, I don't think it starts with the name Juan Soto, just because I think like a lot of people are going to be in on that, and it just it's unlikely that it'll be the Giants, and I think also unlikely that he gets traded now. I, I think there's a they'll cooler heads will prevail. I think they'll make another crack at this in the second half, or, sorry, in the off season, and if they can't do it, they'll trade him in the off season. So I think no, it does not begin with Juan Soto. I think they try to go out and get more relief pitching. I think they go out and try to get some guys you never heard of. Uh, to play platoon positions on the infield, especially. And, uh, and, and I think they're open to anything though. Yeah, I agree. I think the bullpen, I think they will add a couple of arms. I think that they will, uh, whether that's someone in our own system that maybe they promote, uh, because we do have a lot of younger guys, a la, you know, last year when we saw Camille Duvall come up at the late, late, you know, you know, he didn't have a whole lot of experience, but came up and performed well. I think we could see some of that happening. Um, but I also see them making a trade. I think that there's going to be some movement in the bullpen. Uh, I think that they will try to address the infield as well. Uh, but I don't know where that's going to be. I, I also, in the back of my mind, I feel like Wilson Contreras is still a possibility. And, and, but, but that kind of leads me to my next question. Is Joey Bart going to break out in the second half? Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I'm going to say Joey's going to hit double digit home runs in the second half. Um, closer to 15 than it is to 10. Okay. So no, no and, Wilson Contreras. We're, uh, we're no. going to, and we're going to go with the four catcher lineup. Is that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be the four catchers. <laughs> We're not getting, they're not going to get rid of wins because they're too nice. Yeah, well, he's out of options, so, you know. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. They, they would have to DFA wins. Or they trade him before August 2nd, right? Sure, but, like, okay, is he tradable? Maybe. I don't know. I don't he's, know. He's a, he's, like, pro, he's a quality backup catcher. He's tradable. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, he's done nothing wrong, to be clear. I just think four catchers is too many. And, and clearly, Mercedes is not a catcher, but he can be your emergency catcher. Like, he's the next best thing. In fact, in many ways, he's kind of, like, a great thing. Right. Because now you can have all this flexibility if you need to pinch hit with Casale or you want to put Casale and Bart in the lineup at the same time. You can, right, because you, you have, you know, whatever. Yep. So I think I think Bart breaks out. I think he sticks with the team. I'm pro-Bart. Um, yes. I, I agree. I think that uh, his confidence level is at an all-time high. He has significantly cut down his strikeout rate. He went from a 54% strikeout rate to like a 36%. Still not great, but enough to to really you know make a difference, I think, in how he shows up and 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 has tough at bats. So yeah, I think Joey Bart continues this uh, this play, and I think he uh, this is his breakout season. 
So next one, old guy infield. We got Longoria, the two Brandons, and Listella. What are the odds that we make it through the season with all of them healthy? Oh. <laughs> healthy? I didn't know that was what you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, like, on the roster or, like, in the organization. <laughs> You're saying healthy? It's absolutely 0%. The question is, are, are any of them going to be healthy for the entire rest of the season? I think the answer to that is 0%. Every single one of these guys is going to spend time on the IL in the second half of the season. All four. Yeah, well, and the saddest part Zero. is that Longoria is the only one that's like technically healthy right now, right? I think, you know, they're all Brandon Belt's got his knee drained over the All Star break. Brandon yeah. Crawford's been on the IL, Lestella and his uh his foot or Achilles and you know, um it's just it's yeah. I don't think yeah. that No, what any what of I'm them. saying is is it yeah, if they spend the rest of the season with the team, that they're all going to go, if they're on the IL now, they're going to come back, and then they're going to go back on the IL again. This is what I'm saying. All four of them will. All right. Like, I'm not saying, I, so So I, I thought you were going to ask me, are they still going to be with the organization? Which is like, no, I don't. I don't think, I don't think, I think, well, on the organization, I think at least one of them will end up on the 60-day, Tommy Lestella. Okay. I agree. I think Lestella is a candidate to be moved in some way. Whether, uh, yeah. uh, but they owe him too much money for next year, I think, to be really for them to give up on him quite yet. So I think that they will find a way to get him to that sixty-day IL as well. Uh, you know, and and frankly, you know, uh, Belt, although he's heating up a uh, uh, bat, he can't play defense very well because of his knee. Uh, I I I don't see him finishing the season healthy. Uh, so I feel like that that's that's something that we're gonna have to keep an eye on. Do the Giants make the playoffs, Ben? Yes. And who do they overcome? <laughs> well, I think they're going to overcome the Phillies. No. Well, should we ask Bob first? Yeah, Bob. Bob. Let's, yeah, let's have Bob have an opinion. Yeah, Bob. Bob, who, what do you think? Who, who's going to be the uh, odd man out in the playoffs? The Padres are going to Padre. <laughs> exactly. So Bob is calling it. Bob is calling that the Padres will Padre and that they will they will fall out of contention and the Giants will overtake the Padres for one of the wild card spots. I'm agreeing Fernando with Bob. Tatis, that's a hot take. That is a hot take, Bob. Fernando Tatis comes back and makes and, their team worse. And, yes. And makes their team worse. I love it. Um, because all of a sudden there's like other... there's a fight in the dugout and you know and then or Tatis like dives into third base and blows out his shoulder again like just something's going to happen. Yeah, I mean if it was any other team I would say no way. Uh the Padres? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to that's a good that's a good call. I did say that they were going to make the playoffs in the in the preseason. I also said the Angels were going to make the playoffs in the preseason. So, you know, preseason <laughs> Ben is an idiot. Um, so, wow, that is a good take. That is a good take. I, I think the Phillies are, are, are also ripe. I think I so, think, too, just uh, because they've lost uh, Bryce Harper. And, and, yeah, they're playing well, but I just don't know how much they can sustain without their big guy in the middle of the lineup. So, Well, they got to pass two teams to do it. So they got to pass the Phillies and they got to pass, wow, the Padres. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. I like it. I like that a lot. The Giants have a better run differential than the Padres by 20 runs. Right. Yeah. The Giants so, uh, you know, should have a better record than, than the Padres do right now. All yeah. right. Last question. So Darren Ruff. This is actually your question, but I'm going to ask it of you. Is Darren Ruff going to have the worst war ever? Yes. But win the MVP Darren? because Ken, Ben keeps bagging on him? 
<laughs> yes. In order for him to compete for the MVP, I feel like I need to say something extreme, which is he is going to be the worst San Francisco Giant ever. And the Giants are just going to keep sticking with him. It's going to be one week left in the season, and Kapler's going to be like, well, we really feel like he's going to turn it around. Any day now. <laughs> that That is what's going to happen. And if that's what I need to continue to say for him to continue to be successful, I will do it. You're, good, I will you're do a good it. team guy. You're a good team guy. All right. Well, that's a good. That's a good. I think. Look at the second half. We got some predictions in the in the can. Uh, so we start out the second half. Well, it's not really second half. We start out the the second part of the season because uh, we're already well into the second half of the season. Uh, Dodgers for four. In fact, we play the Dodgers eight times in the first fifteen games, and uh, that's that seems like a lot to me. <laughs> So I, I, I think every two week span we kind of say is crucial, but this one kind of feels like it is. Well, you pay you play eighteen games against your division rivals, and the Giants have fourteen more to play against the Dodgers. Really? Maybe it's yeah. Jeez. That's what I heard. I, I have to double check that. But like, the point is, is like this is the price you pay for losing against teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Detroit Tigers, right? Like, it's not just like tomorrow's a new day. The Giants really put themselves in a bad situation by playing really atrocious baseball. And and now they're going to have to, if they're going to salvage their season and right the ship, they're going to have to do it against the Padres and the Dodgers. And, and you know, one part of it is like, so be it, right? That's, you know, great. We can beat those teams. That's fine. But, like, you know, you better. Because if you don't, you're not making the playoffs. If you don't beat the Dodgers, you're not making the playoffs. And we know the rule, right, Matthew? It's beat the Dodgers. Beat the Dodgers. Rule number beat the Dodgers and beat the Dodgers. Those are the three rules. And and um And you're right. Fourteen more games against the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean that's just that's a lot of baseball against the best team, second best team in major league baseball. It's a lot of games. Well, thanks, man. Um, you now know, you make I, me feel like a like totally bummed out. Uh, bummed out by the Giants playing crappy baseball against crappy teams? You should be bummed out about that. <laughs> well, I, I must say that we seem to kind of raise our, our game whenever we play the Dodgers. So That is true. Uh, so. That is true. I think the Di- the Giants play both... Well, the Giants especially play the Dodgers tough. I think they also play tough against all of their um, their division rivals, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2022, notwithstanding. That's right. You know, last time we played the Dodgers, we swept them. So... Yeah, why not? That's right. Why not? Why not, Ben? Anyway. All right, well, we're over our hour here. We should probably wrap this up. Bob, why don't you tell them where they can find us? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Sorry, Twitter and Instagram, at Giant Cocktails. Follow us there for all of our recipes. We'll throw, I'll throw up my Campari magical drink there, and uh, Ben, we'll put Ben's... Uh, uh, I don't even remember what you had today. Oh, yes, the Amaretto Sour. Uh, we'll throw that up there. Uh, go ahead and take a look at that. Uh, give us a shout-out on Twitter. Follow us. Talk to us. We're having, we have a lot of fun during the games. Uh, anyway, I uh, hope you guys will do that. Uh, and then uh, like or subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, I think you know we're really appreciative of all of our listeners and uh, you know been growing this a uh, little bit by little bit over the last couple seasons. It's been fun to see. So you know, uh, if you haven't done so already, like and subscribe. All right, Ben. Well, it was good listening uh, to you, you blab away with your mouthful. And uh, I don't know why I said that, folks. He's trying to slow play me here. I don't know why I said that. I'm trying to like talk while you're while you're chewing. So. I know he's trying to slow play me. 
I want you to ask me why my mouth is full, and you're trying to be like, I'm trying to talk. So I'm going to wait till he's not full. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm yeah. So this is what you just, get when you listen to the podcast with two brothers. You know, all right. Yeah, um, this is just the worst. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, until next week, Ben. Uh, it was good chatting with you. We'll we'll see you next time. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Join us next time for the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until then, bottoms up.